and welcome once again to a novel evening. As always, I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram and TikTok as at a novel evening podcast. Hello and welcome. For tonight's episode, I am joined by Rachel Wolf to talk all about her February release, Five Nights. I love a good thriller, uh, especially when you put all these people onto a ship they cannot get off of. Uh, give me a luxury cruise. Give me some horrific family dramas. This has everything. I'm just going to read you the tagline. Not everyone will make it to New York alive and everyone on the boat has a secret. Even you. Sold. Give it to me. I cannot wait to chat to Rachel all about her novel. I have questions. I want to know how this book came into her brain. I want to know the complexities of writing something where you're stuck on a ship. I cannot wait to uh, chat to her and I cannot wait to see what she's going to bring to her novel evening. So a huge hello to Rachel. Hello. Hi, Danny. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm chilly. It's been really cold today. I'm, I'm, I thought January's over. We're done. But no, February's still chilly. I'm here under a blanket. I've got the heating on. Give me some <laughs> spring. That's what I need right now. It's just a little spring sunshine. And exactly. February's kind of a big deal for you. It is. So my book, Five Nights is out on the 29th of February and this week I'm actually having a an early launch party I'm sharing with a friend. Ooh. So her novel was out in January called Unburied. It's her second novel. Um, so we decided to meet in the middle because the end of February is kind of half term and super yeah. busy. So we're having a kind of small celebration, family and friends on Wednesday. And how does it feel? Does it feel kind of real that, you know, your book is going to be out this month? Is it kind of, does it sink in? It's weird. It um, it's it kind of feels like a long time coming because of when you start thinking about the novel, it's years ago, you know, a few years ago now, and then then I spend some time writing it, and then it goes off to the publisher, and then we do all the edits, and yeah. I think I got the proof in my hand. That was like a really big deal. Um, and but actually, the launch party will be quite good because I won't have to like um go into shops and feel overwhelmed the next day. I can have the excitement of the launch party and then I've got two weeks to prepare for being completely overwhelmed. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, look, first things first, let's tell listeners all about Five Nights. Give us the lowdown on what your book's about. So Five Nights is, um, it's been billed as Succession meets Agatha Christie. Which um, I love. <laughs> that um... is such a good, that is a, such a cool <laughs> tagline. <laughs> Um, and it is a family um, whose father is kind of some, you know, multi-billionaire and he is hugely influential and powerful and rich. And they are literally waiting for him to step down and hand the business over to them. But he has married a young wife who's about their age. So they're all suddenly kind of nervous about maybe more heirs on the way. And Emily, our protagonist, who doesn't know any of these people, um, receives a invitation from her best friend who is the new wife who's married Sir Matteo, Sir Matteo Mascarmado and Emily's friend has begged her to come on a cruise for five nights they're sailing from Portsmouth to New York like first class all the way fancy suite champagne everything that you could dream of but um her friend is worried and is scared that something terrible is going to happen and indeed, <laughs> terrible things do occur. But Emily goes along to protect her friend and it all kicks off. Oh, now first things first, did you get to go on a luxury cruise for research? That's probably my most burning question. 
<laughs> so I had the idea for the novel when I was on a cruise ship. So I had never been on a cruise ship. I'm not someone who kind of had been on cruises before. But this was way back when COVID was happening. Do you remember all those cruise ships were like stuck in the harbour and they weren't oh, allowed yes. to go anywhere? Yeah. Um, and then it comes the summer and we weren't allowed to leave the country, but we were allowed to go on holiday. So all the cruise ships were just sailing kind of round Britain or up and down the channel. So we were like, great. There was a group of us and we thought this is the closest we're going to get to going away, to being abroad. So I had the time of my life on this cruise ship. We literally went up and down. I felt like I was completely somewhere else. Um, it was amazing. There was lots of champagne. The cabin was lovely. Um, it was just a lot of fun. I really felt like I'd gone away after being cooped up for so long. Um, and then I thought, great. And the, the captain gave me a tour of the bridge. We all asked him questions. What would happen if someone fell overboard? What would happen if someone died? What happens if there's a crime on board? So he was brilliant. He gave me all this information. So I kind of went away and wrote this book. And then the following year, I went on a similar cruise, same kind of cruise ship, um, just to finish the book off. And I thought, you know, we'll call this work. And I went with some friends and within 24 hours, I caught COVID. So I spent no. 48 hours on a medical deck, literally locked away, finding out exactly how claustrophobic cruise ships can be. And three times a day, someone would come in a hazmat suit because it was all kind of like, you know, it's still in that shaky, shaky COVID period. And I wasn't allowed to talk to people I like, on my phone. That was it. I wasn't allowed to have visitors. I couldn't get room service because nobody else on the ship is allowed on the medical kind of deck. So I literally just, my friend managed to smuggle through the medical deck. She got the, the nurse to give me this massive bar of chocolate. I literally lay in bed with, with chocolate crying and watching films thinking this is not how it's meant to be. So one really glamorous research trip and one slightly covid research trip. I did not realize that was what happened. I, I'm, I'm like stunned that that's the kind of. I thought they just put you in a room, like they would just leave you locked in your in your cabin. I think because of the air and everything, because you're you need to be near the medical deck. Because one of the women had it. There's three of us apparently oh on this God. whole corridor. One of the women was on IVs and stuff. Um, oh and she God. said the treatment was amazing. I, I wasn't that ill with it. I felt rubbish. I had some paracetamol and I needed a lot of chocolate. But I actually wasn't particularly ill. I was just kind of a bit miserable. Um, but yeah, I think I was thinking when I first got it and I like, did the test and I told them, I thought, oh, they'll just lock me in this room and I can just yeah. get takeaway coffees and, and write the book. No, it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> oh my goodness uh, so you but you managed to channel some of the trauma of that yeah. <laughs> into the book well that's it I can tell you how claustrophobic they are and I've got a few scenes on the medical deck because terrible things happen to people I'm all over it oh and I've I've never been on a cruise there's something about the idea I think of being trapped with strangers and I'm a big true crime buff and I've mm -hmm. read some true horror stories about cruise ships and because really, you know, there's a lot that could go wrong on a cruise ship. If I wanted to knock somebody off, that's probably where I'd go. Because I think it's, you know, one of the, dare I say, easier places to achieve that. Yeah, I think that the CCTV, which is literally everywhere except in private cabins, would be your downfall. Oh. Um, 
unless you really did your research carefully and worked out where your particular spots could be that you could actually tip them overboard. But yeah, it's with murderous intent. It's I think it's quite it's quite tricky to injure yourself by falling over unless someone actually lifts you up. I kind of stood against them. I was like, how, how easy would it be to say that it was an accident? No, it's not easy. It's not an accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if someone goes over, I think there's intent there somewhere. Yeah. And logistically, in kind of mapping out the story, I don't want to give any spoilers or anything, but how did you find the kind of logistics of writing this kind of, I don't say mystery, but how did that kind of work when you don't have spaces to escape to as much? Did that kind of prove challenging? Um, so I have two storylines. Um, I have one storyline from the first wife, so the mother of the children, who is dead. It's not a secret. We kind of open the novel knowing that she died three years ago before the, the young wife kind of married the, the billionaire. And I have her storyline three years ago. So I think kind of within the novel, when I felt that the cruise ship itself, the location was kind of closing in on me, I could move to Viola and then we could open up somewhere else in the world. So that was really helpful, I think, having the two um, storylines, just in terms of being able to introduce new locations, that that really helped. But actually, I think the kind of increasing sense of claustrophobia on the ship works in its favour because it is a thriller and you are supposed to feel sometimes that actually there's nowhere else to go. And I even found that within the spaces I was using on the ship, I was choosing smaller and smaller spaces. Right, you were literally penning them in. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, you know, it's a thriller. We're supposed to feel scared. We're supposed to feel like we're looking over our shoulder and we're supposed to feel like there's nowhere else to go. So it works. It works well. I loved the location. It was just such fun to write. I guess when you look at Agatha Christie and there's always, you know, it's either a train or a house on an island. So I get that. You know, even films like Knives Out, you've got these kind of, situations that that they're in that they're unable to escape from which makes it you know there's no help I guess yeah I mean Death on the Nile I read billions of years ago so that this isn't the first novel that's ever been set on a cruise ship Um, and Agatha Christie did it beautifully Um, and Ruth Ware obviously wrote Woman in Cabin number 10 and Catherine Cooper had the novel out the cruise relatively recently so I think you know boats do lend themselves well to to claustrophobia it's like you say trains cars all of those kind of situations are are brilliant there's been loads set on planes as well haven't there for exactly the same I can't deal yeah I'm already a nervous flyer so I can't anything with a plane I just can't get on board with I can't do it (laughs) I remember that film that came out in the noughties Red Eye with Killian Murphy was in it I loved it loved it He's great. I could watch him paint a wall, but the thought of that, I found that so stressful, which is meant to, but yeah, yeah. I, I can't deal with planes. That is, <laughs> that's a no. And also, you know, you're writing about the world of kind of the, the rich, the powerful. Mm. What research should you do in that area? So I don't hang out with billionaires on a no. day-to-day basis. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, I think part of the reason I wanted to write it was because we had come out of COVID and I was a bit sick of, you know, depression. I wanted something fun. I wanted something kind of out of my comfort zone that was all about glitz and glamour. And I had been obsessed with Succession. So I watched... I've never the- seen it. Have you? It's so good. I've heard so such good. a thing. I don't have it. It's on Sky, right? And I couldn't... Watch we it bought that. it on Prime, like it's like 18 quid or something to buy oh. the series. So we just we just kind of pitched in and bought it on Prime. It's like a box set. So 
um it's a lot of fun I mean obviously that that is based loosely isn't it on the Murdochs I think Um, is it I think so I think that's the guy the idea they're they're kind of like a media empire um and so I'm not saying that the characters are based on the actual kind of situation but there are echoes of that of of the, the media and the kind of I'm certain we're supposed to draw some kind of parallels between it um but it was so much fun and you know it just doesn't feel real when it's happening to billionaires the the kind of tricky to really feel a too much sympathy for you know the fact that they may have lost a couple of million when they've still got about 25 or whatever in the bank um and I watch Kardashians I've never seen before actually but one of the daughters I'm like oh me too (laughs) (laughs) I'd never seen it I really wanted to get I've got Chloe Scarmado who's the young one and I wanted to get her language right and everything so I honestly I watched episode after episode it was fascinating it was brilliant it was a kind of eye into again a completely different world so it was a lot of way they live is just I think you can't even imagine that level of wealth. I can't even imagine. I I think that was an episode where Kris Jenner had her like martini uh, sommelier came with her. And she's like getting the chef to come in and prepare for it. The idea of just having everything you want on tap. Yeah. I know. I love it. And all the runners, like there was a Jennifer Lopez thing years ago, I remember with Ant and Deck did that kind of kids morning show and, and Jennifer Lopez when she was doing Jenny on the Block. And they said afterwards in an interview that she had like a list of things she needed. Um, and it was it was bonkers. And they said, you know, that is what they have to kind of bow yeah. down to, to for the, some of the biggest stars. So I loved it. I love the idea that you can ask for like a list, I don't know, puppies and 25 bottles of sparkling water shipped in from New Zealand or something. It's great. Yeah. But again, it makes for wonderful, you know, in a thriller because they're so high. There's mm. so much further to fall, isn't there? Yeah. And do you know what? They, you love to hate them. So I didn't want us to just hate them. I think they're quite sympathetic at times. Like I was really quite fond of some of them. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're repellent because they just don't understand the wider world. Yeah. Um, but I love to hate them. Like I, I, I partly loved them and I partly hated them. But I don't think that you could really read a novel and really enjoy it unless there was something attractive about at least you know kind of 70% of the characters yeah. even with all their flaws so I, I enjoyed getting the balance right or trying to get the balance right things crossed and for you what was your favorite part of the writing process do you enjoy kind of the planning and mapping out do you enjoy kind of getting in there and getting stuck in with the writing what's the part that you most enjoy so I'm not much of a planner I have a loose plan and then when I get to 40,000 words I think okay it's serious now we're at the sticky middle point and I then delete usually about ten to 15,000 words. Um, and I really hack at what I've got and I eke the story out. And that's when I plan. And then I kind of plan retrospectively and work out who the characters are. And then I go forwards because I can't, I can't kind of splurge on the page for 80,000 words. I can for the first half. And then I kind of recommit after that right so I like to get to know the characters so the first half is a lot of fun because I don't really know who anyone is um and then and then it's hard (laughs) and then the last bit 
then that's lots of fun because I'm racing towards the very final finish and I pretty much done by that point. So yeah, I think the first 40,000 words is the most fun, but I kind of know that I'm coming to, to a hacking point. I know that I need you to know the ending when you're math. Do you always know how it's who's, you know, who's done it, what the ending will be? I always, always near the ending. Sometimes I'll write the ending first. Um, oh. And so I'm writing towards it. Um, nice. But yes, yeah, I always, always know the ending. Yeah. And you know, your book is coming out. What comes next for you? If you can tell me anything. So I suppose kind of smaller things. I've got a couple of short stories which come out hand in hand with publications. So there's one in Best Magazine. There's one in S Magazine with the Daily Express um, on the Sunday Express. Um, so they've been fun to write because they're much shorter. Um, I was going to say the difference between that. I, I mean, I've heard I've done writing and I do find short stories very difficult. But I hear, you know, really getting a short story right is tough, right? You have, you yeah. know, you're limited. Yeah, I did. They're like 1,200 words compared to wow, 80,000. Yeah. You still want to tell a story. So yeah. that's been fun. Um, and then my next novel, which I can't really say very much about because it's unannounced and everything that goes along with, with a, a novel in its very early stages, is pretty much written and then and is, is another kind of glamorous I've gone for it's standalone but I enjoyed the glamour so much I've done it again (laughs) I like that though that's always something that draws you draws you in kind of that I don't say seedy underbelly but that kind of darker side of the glamour because that there is when you hear people talk about fame and you know going back to like the Kardashians there's got to be there's a dark side to their lives the scrutiny and the constant you know they say themselves they read the comment sections of things and they're still yeah. human beings it there is always a dark side yeah yeah oh okay I love that so because you mentioned a lot about glitz and glamour mm. I've I'm hoping there's going to be some of that injected into your evening <laughs> so I was somewhat inspired by the novel and by I mentioned Viola's second story and some of her kind of story set in Sicily so I have picked not a massive cruise ship, but I picked a beautiful billionaire yacht, a much smaller affair, off the coast of Sicily. And it's evening and it's still warm and the sun's slightly going down. And that is where I'm going to have my kind of idyllic dinner. Oh, I mean, the thing is as well, when you've got a private yacht, you don't get the riffraff, do you? So you're not sharing with anybody else. I love... I- those episodes of Clash, they've got their yacht. I'm like, and I know somebody who is a, a private chef. So I've done Ooh. this restaurant. I know him very vaguely, but he works for the Gettys. No. Yeah. So he's a private chef on their yacht for like, it's like six months of the year, seven months of the year or something to make the, and of course they're all like pay, no paleo or they're like, you know, no gluten. And obviously because that, you know, they're always going to have those things, but yeah cooking on these he literally gets flown out goes on these super yachts in places oh like sicily and his job is to cook this and quite often he won't be able to kind of plan because it's wherever they're docking it all has to be fresh you've got to make sure you're finding stuff from these locations to basically wow. come up with a menu that fits their their dietary needs at the time which i'm sure there are many and that's amazing know, it i it's it's just a whole other world i think so I watched um, Below Deck. I watched a couple of seasons of that during the kind of whole COVID-y sat at home 
period of time and that was a bit I was a bit obsessed with that that was so yeah I think how the other half um, people say money doesn't make you happy but I'd really I would give it a go for a short period of time (laughs) I'd like to just test it out yeah I know I think I could I could go and and offer some feedback yeah that's the thing and my, my thing is the food because I I just like good food, but I, and I like to cook. I just can't be bothered. And the thought of having someone on mm-hmm. tap for my whims, if I'm like, yeah, I just fancy an ice cream sandwich. Yeah, absolutely. But like a peak one. I don't just want like whatever I can put together out of my freezer that's been sat there for six months. Make yeah. me something exquisite. So are we going to be dining? Are we just having drinks on the yachts? No, there is definitely dining. And I was thinking mm. about chefs and I actually don't think I know enough about chefs to think of anyone so I've opted as my chef for Matilda Ramsey because of the, I don't want Gordon Ramsay on the boat because he'd be a lot of hard work and I think there'd be a lot of pressure. But I really like Matilda. She was great. Um, when my daughter was obsessed with her cooking programme on kind of CBeebies or whatever programme it was on. And she's lovely. And I bet she would be really easy to have on board. So I'm having Matilda Ramsay serve oh. up all my guests. I don't know anything about Matilda Ramsay. I, my children are just that little bit too young for the cooking okay. show. But that sounds really fun, the idea of getting kids involved as well. I like that. Yeah, she's not so much of a kid anymore. I think she was really young when we first watched the show. Oh. And she's probably, I don't know, at the university or something now. But yeah, I couldn't face Gordon. As, as good as the food would be, imagine the effort of having to kind yeah. of... And I always feel for whoever's working with them in a kitchen, like I'm sure they've got a lot of camaraderie and I'm sure they're very used to him. But sometimes when you watch his shows and he's really going at them, I mean, it's the same with any kitchen chef. So I'm always like, oh, just be nice. I know, I know. I couldn't, I can't cope. I'm not a drama person really, not in real life. On the page, love a bit of drama. Don't want it in my table. Okay, fair. Okay, so we're going to be dining. You said the sun's setting, right? We're floating out on the water. Okay, beautiful. So... Who's the first guest who's going to come in? So I have I have three oh. fictional versus dead guests. Um, okay. And then I have three real life ones. So I'm going to start with my dead ones first. Okay. So I have to have Jane Austen because I just love her. Loved all the books. And I would love to sit down and gossip about, you know, where she thought of Mr. Darcy and, you know, what were they really like? And I want to know all about all of her novels. So I'm definitely having Jane Austen if that's allowed. Uh, how do you think Jane would fare in this environment? She'd probably have to really dress down because mm. I imagine all those skirts in Sicily would be quite hot. Yeah. So I hope that she'd go for something light and maybe maybe cast aside the bonnet. Oh, maybe one of those light, are they called day dresses or morning dresses they used to have when it was summer and it was a bit looser? Yeah, we'd have to we'd have to pre-warn her not to be kind of in her crinolines and her, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I think she's she's got she's glamorous in her own way, right? She used to attend a lot of parties and Yeah, she's Regency. She's I mean, they loved her back then, didn't they? She'll yeah. know how to how to dance and how to hold a teacup. Okay, okay. Jane is in. She's taking her seat at the yacht's table. Who's next? And I'd have to then also have Agatha Christie because, well, how could I not have Agatha Christie on a on a yacht, a luxury yacht, to discuss all of the murders going on? That would be great. I say this all the time. So I live in the hometown of Agatha Christie. Mm. I live in Torbay and her house Greenway is just up the road. And I've never read a Christie. Really? And I keep saying I'm going to. I. Do you know, I don't even know what it is. It's not that I don't want to. She's just one of those those writers where I'm like, yeah, I'll get to, I'll read a Christie. And then all these books come through the door and I'm like, yes, next year I'll read a Christie. 
So I've had a few recommendations. Where would you suggest I start with Christy? So I've got a few favourites. I think The Body in the Library is a nice, straightforward mm. Christy. I love that one. But actually, my favourite favourite is um, The Pale Horse. Oh, okay. I loved it. I loved The Pale Horse. It, it was just so clever. And every adaptation I've seen on TV has never been as good as the book, but I loved it. Okay, The Pale Horse. Right, I will store that. So we've got Agatha's coming. I also, have you read The Christie Affair? So I was sent a proof um, and also received it for Christmas and I haven't read it, which is terrible because it's one of the ones I've been meaning to read for ages, but my my to-be-read pile is literally like toward the house. Yeah, I feel you. It's now, And they just keep coming through the door and I've just, I've just given up at this point. <laughs> I'll never read them all. But I would like to know what happened to her during those 10, 11 days that she was AWOL. Well, do you know, after we've chatted over Matilda Ramsey's food, I'll get back to you. Yeah, that's what you need to know. That's that's the stuff. I mean, I love the interpretation in the book, The Christy Affair. I love the story that tells, but I, I want to know the truth. Yeah, no probs. I'm on it. You're on it. Brilliant. Okay, so who's number three dead slash fictional? Fictional, Jessica Fletcher. Ooh. Oh my god, that's a throwback. Okay, I love okay. Oh. When I was feeding my first child, you know when you're up at kind of twelve and then one and then two in yep. the morning. I literally I only watch Murder She Wrote, just hours and hours of Murder She Wrote on repeat sometimes because I couldn't really think too much. I needed it yeah. to be something that played out. Um and I'm just obsessed. I don't really watch them anymore. I've watched all of them about three times. You probably know them all by yeah. heart at this point. There's that and Diagnosis Murder are two of my like absolute throwbacks. My mum used to watch like religiously. Yeah. And this, you know, you've got, you know, Angela Lansbury and Dick Van Dyke are two like they're treasures, right? Just absolute oh, treasures. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Jessica takes no nonsense either. She's great. I mean, she's a really great female lead. She, like, she randomly, there's a man will ask her out for dinner. But other than that, she is a woman doing it on yeah. her own. Yeah, and I don't think she'd be starstruck by Agatha Christie or Jane Austen. I don't think, I, that's just not her. No, no, she'd, she'd sit easily at that table. They don't, they're all brilliant women. Yeah, oh, imagine that conversation. Oh, my word. Okay, so your living guests have got quite a lot to live up to here. <laughs> So I thought that actually I need to kind of bring it back down to earth for my living guests. So I've gone for three of my favourite writers stroke friend writers as well. Okay, okay. Um, so first of all, I've gone for Erin Kelly. Amazing. I, I've got the skeleton keys on my shelf and I need to get to it because I'm sure it's incredible. She is incredible. I love her writing. Um, and also she's a really good friend and she's my road trip buddy. She's my kind of Thelma and Louise so on our way to kind of the writing festivals, she lives relatively close and she drives us and we take snacks and we gossip and we chat um, and it's been a lot of fun. So she's my kind of like road buddy as well. So yeah, I have to bring Erin because then we can gossip after the meal, you see, about what we've heard. Once they've the disembarked, yeah, once they've got their little, I don't know what they call them, little ferries? Or the, little, the little boats that take you to the big boat. When everyone's disembarked, you can catch up over some wine and cheese and figure out what just happened. <laughs> and then I would also bring my friend Kate Simmons. Her novel Freeze is one of the current um Richard and Judy picks, so it's everywhere oh. in Smiths. 
Um, and it's a brilliant novel and she's a brilliant writer. And again, I would like to gossip with her afterwards. Oh, okay. I, I'm sensing a theme of like very fun women here. This is a girl's night. Unless you're going to take a twist on the last guest, but this is a real girl's night on this yacht. No, there's no twists. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's ladies only. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's sometimes you just need a super yacht in Italy with your girlfriends. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. um, and my final, my final one. So this is not a friend, but I would pick Reese with a spoon because I love her book choices and I love her book club. And I think that she would, she would also have kind of a modern edge of insight into the kind of book film world, the glamorous yeah. world. So I think she'd bring something to the table and she always seems like a lot of fun. Yeah, that's very true. And I think she does a lot for like books and reading. Yeah. I think she's really pushed that into the fore again, which I yeah, think is absolutely. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, okay. I also love Walk the Line. So oh, it's amazing. Favorite. God, she can sing. Can't she? When I yeah. found out they both did their own singing, I was stunned. I know. I loved it. I've seen it like three or four times. It's brilliant. I could watch it. I just think they're so magnetic as well on that that the pair of them together and to know that also you know june carter absolutely approved as well says it all really yeah, yeah. it's brilliant brilliant film amazing so this is the question that some people get a little kind of stuck on mm. is there anybody who's not welcome on this super yacht girls night so i have picked moriarty because I had to think of who would I hate the most? And I thought it's boring to say politicians. I'm not going to come up with a load of politicians I don't like. And I'm not going to say Hitler because nobody wants Hitler on their yacht. I had this exact conversation with someone else whose other half had said, I'll say Hitler. She's like, first, who is even considering inviting Hitler? No, exactly. But I thought a fictional crime, we're in the fictional crime world in quite a lot of kind of these guests. So I've picked Moriarty because he is just, I think, one of the scariest baddies Mm. that has ever landed on a page um so I've just struck him off completely I love the Andrew Scott incarnation of him in Sherlock he is and also the thing with Moriarty is he's always very charming Mm, exactly you could be seduced into thinking Mm -hmm. that he was going to be an excellent guest but actually you would maybe not live to tell the tale that's true and he you know he's wildly intelligent yeah, he's the and, only match for Sherlock. And sexy in particularly, he's got that kind of sexy edge to him, particularly when Andrew Scott is playing him, because let's face it, he's not an unattractive man. <laughs> he's, I think that's sort of putting it lightly. He's not that, he's not unattractive. I wouldn't keep <laughs> him out of bed for eating crackers. He's not a bad looking chap. But it is that he's wildly devious. Yeah. And you it don't want to be with that that's a trouble that's desire even with jessica fletcher even with Agatha christie even with reese witherspoon you don't want to be messing with moriarty <laughs> not at all so moriarty is not allowed on the yacht i love it this is such a lovely night i can picture it so clearly um i've never stepped foot on a super yacht nor probably ever will i apart from just viewing them from <laughs> afar but um if i did this would be an evening i would enjoy upon one i'm just going to also mention that just landing on the boat via helicopter and that's disappearing again we have taylor swift doing a couple of tunes just to kind of lighten the evening and then then the night is done really then it's complete oh see are you a bit of a swifty so my daughter is like a hundred percent the biggest swifty but also i am a little bit obsessed now 
um yeah 100% we're going to see the tour oh um, yeah. oh I love that we have the tickets I literally kind of pinned myself to the desk got the code you had to get the code in the raffle and then you had to sit on the computer oh, for so hours. I'm not a Swifty I have to say I'm not I don't dislike her work I've just never been super into it so I don't but I have had friends who have. it's like it sounds like it's trying to get like Wonka's golden ticket like it sounds like that level of hysteria there was a lot of commitment involved yeah I know whenever I've had to buy tickets even for kind of not so Herculean tasks mm. I usually have like three different screens it is it is a task to get tickets for even the most basic things nowadays let alone so I'm, I'm sure you were extremely popular when you achieve that yeah, I mean, I, I think extremely popular and the reverse of that isn't even worth thinking about. Can you imagine if you'd not got them? Well, I can't. I don't even want to think about that. You should. I've just moved out. That I wouldn't have even have said it hadn't have happened. I'd have just packed. I've been one of those. I've done a moonlit flit and I'd been like, you'll never see me again. That would have been the case. I think, that would have been yeah. the best way to deal with it. Look, before I let you go and enjoy hmm. the rest of your evening, are you reading anything at the moment? So actually today I'm between two books. So oh. I finished this morning Erin Young's Original Sins. Um, I keep seeing this. How was it? Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So it's not out yet because I've just been on proofs recently. So it's brilliant. I loved it. Really loved it. Um, couldn't recommend it more. So that's out relatively soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one on my list that I'm beginning this evening is Nadine Matheson's The Kill List. Ooh. which I'm really looking forward to reading, but I haven't begun that one yet. I mean, I love the title. Have you Straight read away. any of her books? I haven't, no. It's brilliant, really good. I love a thriller. I have to really be, I'm quite a fantasy reader, but I love a thriller, but I have to really be like in the mindset and it will happen when sometimes I'll just think I need a really good juicy thriller. And I really love something where I have no idea what's going to happen. And I like writers to be brutal. I like it if you're killing off some of the favourites. Good. Yeah. I like, it's a bit like the Game of Thrones thing. I like it when nobody's safe. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me as a human being, but if I fall in love with a character, I, I, I'm like, yeah, kill them off. Let's do this. <laughs> Take the risk. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much, Rachel. So the book is out on the 29th of February. Uh, yeah. It's going to do so, so well. I wish you all the best with your launch party and with Taylor Swift. Thank you for having me, Danny. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Novel Evening. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Please remember to go over and rate, subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And check us out on Instagram at A Novel Evening Podcast and over on TikTok under the same name. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye.